Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon from lead pastor Jamie Miller. If you would open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1, 2, and 3, that's where we're going to start out this morning. So, Father, we ask that You'd bless the reading of Your Word today in the name of Jesus. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before Him, He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider Him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. This is the Word of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. All right. So we're we're wrapping this series up today. And uh, man, it's been good. I'm I'm encouraged uh, just by the Word of God and being changed, you know. And one of the things I think I want to build, just keep building into our calendar and our preaching is this Lent time where we just just take some time to pull back. It's a good... I know we do that in other sermon series too, but just thinking about things like, hey, we don't have to just be game on on everything all the time. Well, there's things we need to pull back from. Take a break from. Give it a rest. You know, fast from apathy. Fast from escapism. Things we don't normally think about. And that's, we've been looking at some of that in this series. So we talked about laying down unbelief. Laying down rights. Laying down isolation and opening ourselves up to God and to others. Last week we talked about running the race with perseverance, and that there's things that that hinder us. I mean, you got to lay them down, and there's things that help us, and we need to build those things into our lives as practices, as disciplines. And there's joy on the other side of that stuff. And today, what I want to talk about is the connection between joy and the cross. Now, we don't always think about joy and the cross going together, because Honestly, the cross is, by its very nature, hard. And sometimes really, really hard. And so if you're, you know, the longer you live, the more you understand that there is joy on the other side of it, but it's almost not even nice if somebody's really going through it, just a trial, a struggle, something really hard to go, hey, hey, perk up, you know, I know you're going through this really hard thing, but there's joy on the other side of that. And you got to be, we have to be careful how we do that. So, but, but the reality is, there really is joy on the other side of, of the hard things that we go through. And, you know, so much of those hard things, in fact, let me just go ahead and say, bottom line it here, the main thing. God's calling us to run the race with perseverance by connecting our joy to the self-giving love of the cross. And that's the connection. Joy and self-giving love. That's what the cross is all about. That's what God is like from eternity. That's what God demonstrates in the sending of the Son their shared love, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit from all eternity. And we get brought in on that. And so much of this cross conversation is about relationships. It's not. Sometimes it might be a personal struggle that doesn't involve somebody else, but most of the time it's going to involve somebody else. Somehow. Difficulties. It, it did for Jesus. The things that He went through for us. Uh, I read an article this past week uh, just related to the whole joy part of this, 
It was in the uh, Atlantic Journal, Atlantic Magazine. And the article was called The Happiness Recession. Doesn't sound good, does it? The Happiness Recession. And in 2018, there was a huge study done of young adults from 18 to 34 years old, which would be a huge part of this room. Young adults from 18 to 34 years old. And what they found out was that those 18 to 34 year olds reporting that they were very happy had fallen to 25%, which is the lowest in recorded history since they've been recording that kind of stuff. I think it's like 1970. So it's the lowest ever. So think about 18 to 34 and only 25% can say I'm very happy in life. So could have been too many sad minor indie bands. I, you know, <laughs> listen to some happier music. No, it's more than that. What they actually found out was that it's relationships, deep, meaningful relationships. And, and they even found that it's it's specifically, do you uh, are you connected to a church community? Was a major marker of ha- of happiness and joy in life. Another was marriage, which is interesting because in since 1970, the percentage of people that used to be married versus now the people that are living together is this. It's 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 flipped. It's it's absolutely flipped. And so you know all the things that go along with committed marriage covenant relationship with one person that joy of commitment is actually a blessing that brings joy in our lives. So, so all of that's happening. It's in, and it's, to me, it just was an interesting thing, the happiness recession, that happiness is going down, and we want to be people that are proclaiming, hey, what are the things that are ultimately going to lead to joy in our lives? And even though there's hard things that we go through, a lot of it is about relationships. They're relational things. I mean, Jesus, the, the problem... When Jesus goes to the cross, the problem's us. We're the problem. It's the sin problem. It's the humanity problem of fallen humanity. And so Jesus bears the cross and goes to the cross so that He can ultimately bring us forgiveness and healing and hope and restoration. All of that. And so when when Jesus says, come follow Me, take up your cross and follow Me, there's going to be things that happen relationally that are actually kind of hard in life. But they are opportunities to bring forgiveness and healing and hope and restoration. That's ultimately what God's trying to do on planet Earth is that whole restoring and making things right. So today, what we're going to do is just take this Hebrews 12 passage and look through it at a couple of other passages. Philippians 2, where joy in the cross is talked about. And John 13, which is another joy in the cross passage. So let's look at these two passages. We can expect, number one, joy on the other side of, and the first point is humility in relationships. Okay? Joy is on the other side of humility in relationships. Let's read Philippians 2 together. Chapter 1, excuse me, chapter 2, verses 1, 1 through 8. And and let me say too, just contextually, what's going on here is Paul's writing a letter to a church that's having some tension in it. There's these two ladies, Euodia and Syntyche, and they're leaders in the church, but they're not getting along, and it's creating strife in the church. And so Philippians is often called the joy letter. It's because Paul has a vision for them to have joy on the other side of these broken relationships so they can find peace and get along and be humble and that leads to joy. 
So let's read it together. Does that make sense? Tracking? Okay, so therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, and here's the ask, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to His own advantage. Rather, He made Himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, He humbled Himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. So, it's the problem that we often don't recognize is what we've been given. We've been given this unbelievable forgiveness in Jesus Christ. And the problem then is, we think that we, it's within our prerogative to give that to others or to withhold that from others. And Paul's saying, go the way of Jesus Christ. Go the way of Jesus who forgives and be like Him. Forgive others just like you've been forgiven. And so what I want to say here is we're, like we've been talking about fasting throughout this whole series. And so we're called to go on a permanent fast from unforgiveness. A lifetime of fasting, unforgiveness. A lifetime of fasting, holding grudges. A lifetime of fasting, being easy to offend. Being cranky and point, finger pointing and just wherever the accusation is, remember, that's what the devil does. He is the accuser of the brethren. We talk about this in both points, but we just, in our relationships, whenever we sense that judgment and that accusation flowing through us, we should wake up and go, okay, am I being a tool of the devil right now in fostering this accusation on around and being a conduit for the, for the devil's work? Um, Paul's saying, I get it. I understand you guys have problems, but there's joy on the other side of working this thing out of coming down, of humbling and valuing others in humility above ourselves. Make my joy complete, he asked. That's the big ask here. In humility, value others. And then the, he makes the appeal to Jesus Christ Himself. Even though Jesus, I keep using this prerogative language, but part of it's because that's what Jesus does, who being in very nature God, didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped or to be held on to. He, he had that prerogative, but he let that go in order to humble himself and serve everybody, to become a servant of us all. He lived as a man and God, but he lived not holding on to his godness, but lived a life like we're called to live, of total dependence on God. He showed us what humanity is supposed to look like, right? And so Paul's saying, be like Jesus who took the nature of a servant, who was obedient to death, even death on a cross, which is just mind-boggling when you think of the God of all creation coming and offering Himself 
and being killed by His own creation who murdered Him. That's in every one of the sermons in Acts. You murdered Him. You murdered Him. You murdered Him. And He did that for us in humility. That's what Jesus Christ did for us. And so, it's a, it's a descent into greatness that Jesus does. It's this downward journey of, of coming under in order to bring life. It just, it's like, wow, it blows my mind. And it is a different kingdom. This kingdom that we've become a part of in Jesus Christ. Totally different kingdom. It's not the tit for tat kingdom. It's not, it's not the Twitter, you know, you say something about me. I say something about you, Jack. Right? And, and, and so that's, that's the wrong kingdom. You know, a little bit here, a little bit more. You did this, a little bit more. And it, that is the history of fallen humanity, of wars, of politics. You pick any system, world system of, of mankind, and you're going to find that tit for tat thing happening. Jesus comes in and it's radically different. It's a radically different kingdom of coming under, of being humble in relationships. You know, uh, one of the things I was thinking about this this morning, and I was thinking, you know, when we humble ourselves with others, and, or we've been through some hard stuff, and, and it's almost like we have a limp from those hard things we go through. And it, it's like we're safer if we've gone through some hard stuff. And as I was meditating and thinking about that this morning, I, I, I pictured like a war veteran, you know, kind of walking and a kid coming up to him and asking him, are you a veteran? He says, yes, I'm a veteran. What wars did you fight in? I fought in the self-wars. What battle? Well, I fought in the battle for Pride Mountain. And it was intense. It was a hard battle. The mission was to take the mountain. People were coming up it from all sides and the enemy was at work in our midst. We couldn't tell exactly who the enemy was, but we found ourselves in foxholes and bullets were flying. Dirt was flying as explosions happened. Smoke was on the battlefield. And before long, we were in foxholes with some people. They were our friends, but we started shooting at people in the other foxholes. They were supposed to be on our team, but we were shooting at them too just and just receiving the lies of the enemy. And I finally realized... You couldn't win the battle for Pride Mountain. No matter how much you got, how much you climbed up that thing, you couldn't win the battle. The only way to win the battle was to get out of the foxhole and go down the mountain in humility to go low and get off of that mountain. That was my quiet time this morning. I mean, so the, we can't win by, I'm going to climb to the top. The only way to win the battle is to go low. Is to, 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 to walk in humility. And yeah, we may have a limp because of some of the battles that we've been in in the past. It actually only makes us safer. You know, it's, you're actually safer as a leader, as a dad, as a mom, when you've walked through some things that have brought some humility in your life. Make sense? I'm not wishing bad stuff on anybody, but we all go through stuff. We should learn and walk in humility through it. Is there a situation that you're in right now where humility could really help? Like a couple, two or three people maybe? 
Helps to smile. I, I mean, we're coming to somebody in humility would help work the thing out. It's, it's probably, it starts with me. It starts with us. It starts with us being committed to walking in humility in our relationships. And it doesn't mean that you're a doormat or that people just walk all over you. Okay? Hear me on this. We're talking about Jesus. We're talking about Jesus. Like God in the flesh. And in this point we're about to go to in John 13, like he totally knows who he is. He's got all authority in heaven and on earth. And he goes lower than anybody's ever gone. He found a way to serve humanity by going the lowest route, by dying for us all. So, not a, Jesus, you think of Jesus as a doormat? No way. That's what this humility is like. That's what this servanthood, and that's the next point. Let's turn to John 13. It'll help explain it a bit. John 13. Servanthood. We can expect joy on the other side of not just humility in relationships, but also, second point, is servanthood in relationships. And I'm telling you, <laughs> I just, I've just been in John 13 some this week and it's just blowing my mind because John's got something he's trying to get across to us. You know, he starts off in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. And oh, wow, like nothing's ever been made that wasn't made with him. He's life, period. He's holding all things together by the power of his Word. And this glorious God came and tabernacled among us. The, the one and only, the, the one and only, he just, he's come and made God known to us. He's come. So it's that glorious thing. John's talking about the temple and he's talking about all these wonderful themes. Why the Passover in John 13? It's, it's a, it's another exodus. It's like not just Israel getting out of the slavery and bondage, but it's humanity getting out of slavery and bondage. There's so much here. It's so rich. And, and it's like John's going, He's so awesome. And He came in the flesh. And now in John 13, it's like, I'm going to show you what this God looks like who takes off His clothes and wraps a towel around Himself and then gets down on His knees and serves His disciples. It's just been blowing me away. That's not all that I'm going to be saying. But it's just like, wow, I'm just like, my world's getting rocked. Just What a visible picture of the incarnation, of the life, and the ministry, and the death that's coming. Not just, not just washing one person's feet, but washing the sins of the world away. Let's read the passage, sorry. That's just like fired up. It was just before the Passover feast, the festival, and Jesus knew that the hour had come for Him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved those His own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Like he didn't stop. He kept going. He ran the race. He persevered. You know, and, and really what's about to, I mean, it's a glory moment. It's what John's been working up to. Like when the sun's lifted up, you know, that's, that's when this glorious moment is going to happen. The evening meal was in progress, verse two. And the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Okay, so think about this, you guys. Like, presence of God? Check. Awesome community, brothers and brothers, at least brothers there together? Check. 
Jesus in the midst? Check. The accuser working through one of the brothers? Check. It's just, that, that is amazing to me. Like, and so, Lord, would You just wake us up? Would You wake us up that we would not be a conduit for the work of the enemy? In the name of Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under His power and that He had come from God and was returning to God. So there's your identity piece. It's not about being a doormat or I'm going to, in humility or servanthood, just everybody gets it. No, He knows who He is. And the more we know who we are, where we're from, what moment we're in and where we're going, the more we can walk in life and power and joy knowing that we can walk through whatever it is that we are in for the long haul. We've committed our lives. After that, He poured water into a basin and began to wash His disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around Him. He came to Simon Peter who said, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you do not now realize what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you will have no part of me. In, in classic Peter overreaction mode, any overreactors, I just need to come clean and <laughs> I just feel like this is a kind of moment here. Like I sometimes overreact. The dinner table, something's hot. Swallow something weird and kind of make sounds, and, and she starts laughing. I need some compassion. I'll get back on script in a minute. Would you do that if the other people were sitting here? <laughs> Maybe not. I don't know. Where was I? Overreaction. And Simon Peter answered, Not just my feet but my hands and my head as well. But Jesus answered, those who have a bath, who have had a bath, need only to wash their feet. The whole body is clean and you are clean, though not every one of you. For He knew who was going to betray Him and that was why He said not everyone was clean. But I mean, again, just think of the cross. Keep the cross in mind as you're seeing this scene. He's washing their feet, but what He's ultimately going to do is wash the sins of, of humanity. You know, He is going to do that. Head, toe, everything. When he'd finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Just, just powerful. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I've done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. Okay, so uh, there's something going on here about foot washing, and, and we do, we'll, every now and then somebody will want to wash somebody's feet. It's, it's, it's not super common, but the heart, even more than washing one another, doing the physical act, is the heart of a servant. That's, that's what Jesus is going. I want you to do this. I want you to take on the role of servant in your midst. Serve others. And the more we're able to serve others, the more we're able to help them. 
everybody, everybody has the potential of being a servant leader. Everybody. Not just, not just people that stand in front with microphones, but everybody. A, a mom's influence and leadership is going to be determined in part by how she's able to serve her children. Or how she's able to serve her husband. Or a husband's influence with his wife is going to be determined by how he's able to serve her. Does that make sense? And, and so it goes in all the different spheres of life. Whether it's church life, uh, life groups, or discipleship, serving others, having space, having capacity to actually care about other people and serve them and come under them. Jesus found a way to serve humanity. And He's the greatest leader of all. The greatest servant of all. And all of that's happening in this foot washing. But so you've got a little scene happening here of foot washing and then there's fruit bearing in John 15. And then ultimately that's an invitation to join God's mission to the world. As the Father sent me, I'm sending you. Receive the Holy Spirit. The triune mission of God. So all of those things are happening. And our, our assignments, our leadership are going to be determined by how we respond. And you know, part of what got me thinking about that battlefield thing was leadership pain. Like how much pain you can handle is kind of how your leadership goes. I read a book a few years ago by a guy named Samuel Chan. It's called Leadership Pain. The Classroom for Growth or something like that. And uh, basically, if we can't handle pain in our lives, we're just pain, completely pain averse, then whatever vision we have for our lives, we'll lower that to match up with our pain threshold. So, you know, with each growth step in life, there is probably a pain threshold that increases. We're able to handle more for other people. To serve others. To care for others. To have a sphere that goes out beyond just what I want to do today and what my life's all about, but it's about, you know, marriage or family or others in the church or your workplace or caring like that. And the, the accuser is going to be working smack in the middle of all of it. But to really run the race, um, to really be free to run the race, God wants us to get this. The servanthood thing in relationships. Yesterday at... at uh, I almost said leadership community. Yesterday at Frontline, we used to call it... That's, that's not even funny in this room. That's how old it was. But... Uh, uh, so, Frontline is our leadership training for our life group leaders. And one of the things, James was just going around the room getting testimonies from the life group leaders. And the testimonies, a lot of the testimonies had to do with humility or servanthood in relationships with other people. I mean, it was just like, wow. Like we've got some awesome brothers and sisters and part of the, the coolness of those testimonies is coming under people to serve them, to bring life to encourage their hearts. All of that happening. And the point of all of this, you guys, and the stories of humility, the point of all of this is that God wants us, as we finish in this series, God wants us to have a vision for running. Not just surviving, but running the race. He wants us to have a vision that I'm in. And no hill I'm climbing is going to stop me. Like, we're not going to quit. We're going to keep going. We are in. And I don't know how to just... Everybody's got to make that decision. Like, I'm in until it gets really hard. 
Or I'm in until I've got some adversity in relationships. Or I'm in until somebody in the church offends me. Just go ahead and like somebody's going to offend you. So, somebody's going to offend with, with a, smiling, smiling. It's just people. We're going to, we do stuff and, and we, it's just there are opportunities for being humble and forgive. What are we fasting? Unforgiveness, grudges, easy to offend, those kinds of things. So, having a vision that we're all in, we're committed for the long haul. And at the end of that finish line, at the finish line, Jesus is, I mean, he's with us all along the way, but he's wooing us and beckoning us forward. And there's people cheering. Those who have gone before us cheering us on. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. Kim had a midwife, Matthew. She was an encourager. She was Filipino or something. You can't do this. I think she was smiling, but she was like intense. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Is there a place in your life right now that you need to remember the joy set before you? Is there a relational thing that's happening where you need to remember the joy? It may be a cross that you're bearing right now, but is there joy that you need to remember on the other side of it? No, I, I say this to people all the time. I would never choose... I don't. I wouldn't choose trials for you. We love each other. We like. Yeah, Jamie needs to go through some more stuff. He needs to grow some more. Like we don't. We don't think that way. But we do want to encourage each other when we're going through it to remember there's there's joy out there. There really is growth and life and purpose in it all. Every place that you embrace the cross is a place where God's love is breaking in. And that is what God wants us to do, to be about this kingdom people He's called us to be with our eyes on Jesus, running the race, not quitting, keeping looking to Jesus, throwing off the stuff that hinders and entangles us, and keep going. Run with joy. No, I'm in. We're in. Amen? Alright, stand up. Let's uh, respond to God here. Worship team, ministry team, come on up. If you're going to pray for somebody, come, come on up. You're part of our ministry team. Please come. Okay, I've got kind of three things and then just the general, if you need prayer, always get prayer. But one thing is, just if, if you're, just, you're hearing me today and you're going, man, I, just, I need to take a step to say I'm all in. Maybe you've not done that or maybe it just needs to be a fresh committing of your life to the Lord. I'm all in. I'm laying stuff down. I'm all in. And it might be that you need a relational breakthrough today. There's a cross that you're experiencing and you need a relational breakthrough. Then man, get prayer. God wants to bring breakthrough in our relationships. And this third piece is just, um, just, just for us as a people that we would be hard We'd be a hard people for the enemy to use for accusation. And I mean, we could all use prayer on this, but just if you just want to get prayer on that, go for it. And again, just if you're going through anything where you just need help or prayer, then God answers prayer. He moves. He has answered 
some huge prayers this week. I mean, just some huge prayers. So what's happening? Let's, let's, let's press in together. God moves and He loves to respond to our prayers. Father, meet us here today. Let every single person in this room be changed as a result of coming this morning. Put a stake in the ground of change in our lives. Fix our eyes on You, Lord. We love You. In Jesus' name, Amen. You guys, go for it. Be bold. Get prayer if you need to get prayer. And uh, let's press in. we got, we got some time. Let's go for it.